try to be empathetic and understand others' viewpoints in shaping the city, but also in just living the city, because because it's sometimes there are very surprising answers why people behave the way they are, and, and we don't know that, and it's very important to to understand each other to live live better together. Thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif, an urban planner, and you're more than welcome to join my big journey of exploring the making of smarter and more livable cities. Please don't forget to follow Urbanistica on the different social media platforms. And also let's connect on LinkedIn. Big thanks to Urbanistica podcast partner, Avery. Avery is an international engineering and design company providing sustainable solutions in the fields of energy, industry and infrastructure. Are you ready for a new episode? Let's go for it. Today we have a great episode with a great guest from Placemaking Europe. I have the pleasure to welcome Levante Poliak to Urbanistica podcast. Hey and welcome. Hi Mustafa, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. How are you doing? I'm fine, thanks. I mean, relatively, as far as we can uh, do well, I'm doing pretty well. Awesome. Where are you now? Which city? How is things going in that city? Uh, yeah, I'm in Budapest right now in Hungary, and it's, you know, mostly closed at home, sometimes going into the office. So in some parts of the day, it looks like everything is uh, normal, and in other parts of the day, you know, you feel it's a, it's a very special moment. Mm. Well, great. And uh, I'm again thankful that you're here and recording the episode. And you're our storyteller for this episode. The stage is yours. The mic is yours. How would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your passion? Yeah, I can. I, I usually like to identify myself or describe myself as an urbanist, an urbanist that is a little bit in between professions that. Uh, also because of my very different studies and, and my, uh, let's say, different ge- geographical locations in the past years, I, I like to think of myself as somebody who's, uh, who understands different contexts and can make connections between these contexts. So I see myself less as a technical, let's say, technical uh, professional, but more as a connector and enabler somebody who's not speaking from one specific subculture or technical subculture, but somebody who's, uh, who can bring together different contexts and make a, a consensus between them. Yeah, and that's really needed, especially now in developing our cities. Tell us more about your background. Where did you grow up? What did you study, work with, like a highlight of, of you? Yeah, <laughs> my highlight, I guess. So I, I grew up in Budapest. I was born and grew up in Budapest. It's uh, it's a very standard, probably, upbringing. And then I, uh, in the late 90s, I started to, uh, with the architecture faculty. So I spent a few years at the architecture faculty, but I felt that it was not so much, uh, it was too technical. I felt it's, it's, uh, there's so much, so much more out there. So I, I felt I was stuck with a lot of technical issues while I was interested in something else. So then I spent a few years practically uh, mixing, hanging out in different faculties. So I was trying to do something that actually more or less exists now, but back then, 20 years ago, it didn't. So to combine different courses from different faculties that were had something to do with the city. So I realized 
at some some moment that that my my big passion is the city actually and uh, and then yeah so it, it it was a moment when i when i realized that you know architecture doesn't speak as much about the city as i would like to to do um psychology partly speaks about this but not everything you know sociology speaks about it but not everything so i, I kind of pulled together all these different resources and and uh, and i remember one moment that is actually quite uh, quite interesting there was there was a moment that i was really lost in what i what i want to do and i i made these different notebooks uh, about different topics i was really interested in so i did an empirical research and uh, and I, after like a half year, I, I realized that the the notebook called Urbanism is just way more uh, filled with notes and ideas. <laughs> I realized that it means that I have to work on this because this is what I'm, I'm more most passionate about. Because I get enthusiastic easily about other things as well. But anyway, so so this brought me back to sociology, urban sociology, because I found this faculty that talked specifically about the city. And then I think in, in the mid 2000s in, in Budapest was a really exciting place. It was a, a moment of uh, international opening. It was just at the moment and before entering the EU. So there's a lot of people, mm. uh, of international people there. So it was actually very, and culturally it was, the whole city was thriving. So I think at the time I met quite a few people who, who really opened up new perspectives for me. So I have a lot to thank uh, to them. And then the next decade was pretty much, I, I, I had a lot of uh, defining moments, like I, I got a scholarship in New York to work uh, with the uh, Department of City Planning of, of New York, or Manhattan. Uh, Manhattan office, which is obviously an amazing experience, and I learned a lot about city planning. I learned a lot about uh, a specific context in New York, which is a fascinating city. I got a, into a lot of organizations i had uh, i was hanging out a lot and helping out as a volunteer in uh, store for storefront for art and architecture and I, I visited a lot of institutions and i was more and more interested in the whole institutions of uh, institutional network of, of talking about the city and architecture and then i came back to to paris where i did a uh, a master in urbanism and then i worked a bit uh, with the city of paris where i found uh, a very different context with with a much stronger public involvement which was also very very interesting but also a lot of grassroots organization um i was part of neighborhood committees and all this kind of stuff and then i i, I got i came back to budapest to teach but i was more and more involved in vienna through the wonderland platform for european architecture and also teaching at the at the technical university so there was also uh, you know the most livable city in the world and, and a little bit understanding how things are happening there and also what's missing from there and then the last uh, out of the last seven years let's say five years I spent pretty much in Rome and I came back from there this January just uh, uh, less than a year ago but I learned about something very different I learned about um, a city which is partly abandoned by the public sector and where a lot of the let's say local uh, services and 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 uh, and social cohesion is provided by you know bottom-up initiatives, citizen initiatives, and and this is quite fascinating because I learned a completely new logic of uh, of, of living in a city and and organizing urban society. So I think these were really pretty much the funding, uh, maybe funding elements of uh, of my thinking. My yeah, experience. it's 
It's a, it's a very big and interesting journey you made following your passion. Yes, absolutely. Because traveling, I mean, of course, it's difficult to say now because we're not traveling yeah. really. But traveling was an important element and also languages and getting into context and le learning to speak not only the, the languages, but also the local logic and understanding. In Rome, for example, that this neighborhood has, a, has values like this and this neighborhood has values like this. So you, you want to approach different neighborhood organizations in a different ways. It was quite fascinating to understand all this logic behind. Yeah, I can imagine how interesting it is because you were in New York, they have a model there and then Paris and another model and then in, in Rome. So you have a really interesting combination of different models to, to run a city. I guess it's still the you know the the developed world, or the first world. So I guess uh, there's still a big big uh, universe out there to explore. But yeah. but also you know Budapest, which is a post-socialist city, which is a, another another context. And I think there's been a lot of fascinating things as well here in the last twenty years. So that's also uh, of course a very important pillar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So where where. Or where and when did your journey start with placemaking Europe? How did you join? Yeah, I think, well, placemaking Europe, I, I joined uh, when the whole placemaking movement arrives in, 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 in Europe. But I think I had some history with placemaking before when uh, with uh, partly with with some people from the university some friends we we started building up um, in in 2002 3 ish uh, some organizations to talk about the city and then we we got to use some some uh, empty places to to you know fill them with life and then in 2005 we we came together with a lot of other uh, like some architects, some uh, artists, dancers, theater people to to reuse a big industrial building, which we lost after a few months because mm. uh, commerce took over. But that was an experience. And then I joined uh, the Hunger and Contemporary Architecture Center, or actually I co-founded, I, I contributed to the funding where the idea was already there, but I entered at the moment when, uh, when, when it was actually uh, materializing. And there we we got uh, we got uh, to use uh, uh, an empty warehouse uh, for a few years, and there was a, a real placemaking story where we actually, with all kinds of interventions, with uh, ray painting and a lot of public events, we we brought this area back into the city and back into uh, you know public life. So there was there was actually all I, I think pretty much placemaking, and then. From the mid 2010s, I was in touch with uh, with the whole city making movement in Amsterdam and Pakhas des Vaker and all these organizations, and and through them I joined also the the first place making week in Europe in 2017 in Amsterdam, and then uh, it was pretty much to be honest the same people that were already in the 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 we make the city movement and discussion yeah. uh, across Europe but there was a moment to to maybe reframe it and 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 and, uh, and talk about placemaking as such and uh, for me it was it was a quite exciting way to also rethink my work but also um, extend and and also strengthen this network which i, I find fascinating and, and with a lot of very interesting people mm. Mm. It's it's also again it's a very interesting story because you were already in that atmosphere of uh, doing placemaking but not on the official name of placemaking, and now you're more in the placemaking movement. 
I think it's important because a lot of people who are placemakers, but they don't know that they are placemakers because they don't call it like this. And also, this is one part of Europe that is recognizing itself in in uh, in these English words, for example, like placemaking. Yeah. And a lot of people uh, in in you know most of Southern Europe, they have their own terminologies, they have their own expressions, their own logic of understanding yeah. this, and they do fascinating things, but they're not considered necessarily officially as part of this. Mm. Movement. Do you think it's something positive or negative? I think placemaking in general. I think it is very positive because I think uh, there's many logics. I, I think it's good not to have one dominating logic, and it's it's we have a lot to learn from each different context where, you know, things similar things that we do are explained with different expressions, and that helps us also to look at, at those things from a from a different viewpoint. Mm. Now you're uh, also a board member at the placemaking. Europe. So what is your role? What's your task? Uh, what do you do? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, we're, we're uh, with the other board members. So we, we work very closely together to design the whole trajectory of, of placemaking Europe as an organization. So we're still in the phase of building up the organization, which has a lot of people around. So there's a, there's a big professional and activist community around. So in the last one year, we worked a lot on structuring the whole thing uh, building up working groups that uh, bring together people that are uh, who are interested in one specific uh, topic inside you know the huge topic of placemaking uh, so we've been working on on consolidating the network also understanding uh, how what is the best structure to work how to um, uh, build different kind of collaborations with cities with other networks um, so pretty much we were in this uh, process also consolidating the network financially because it's uh, very important that there's uh, let's say two dimensions or, or more than two dimensions they're very different uh, roles uh, in the organization a lot of voluntary work of course from our side from a lot of uh, a lot of activist sides uh, but also we need some people uh, centrally who, who who can be paid because that's a lot of organizational work. So we're building up this whole structure of how to best mobilize energies towards towards uh, consolidating the network, but also how to best use the network to help our members, individual organizations. So it's it's pretty much uh, regulating or designing this this flows of information, flows of help, empowerment on in both directions. Mm. And how is it going now? It's going, I think it's going pretty well. I mean, of course, like most activities uh, this year, things uh, sometimes slows down. But I think we have a very promising year ahead. Uh, we are planning with the city of Barcelona uh, after COVID city, a big conference where we talk uh, about the role of uh, placemaking and public space. In, uh, in, in a post-COVID world as well. And we have other cities on board that are really interested in 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 uh, in, in being board. So every week we, we speak with a different city and we have different offers to them and we have different engagements that we can uh, develop with them. There is a point I want to talk with you about. It's about placemaking and who can be a placemaker. You have a PhD and you're from like academia side, but you're also part of placemaking. So is placemaking only for architects, planners, for people working with culture, or it's for everybody, even for people from academia? 
<laughs> I think a place picking is for everyone. It's for the old lady who moves uh, a chair outside the house and puts it down and, and engages in a conversation with others. That's suddenly becoming a public space because there's interaction. No, so I guess I guess uh, there, there are no limits to this. I'm not considering myself so much in in academia because even my PhD research was focusing on how to reuse or or looking at mechanisms in different contexts how to reuse uh, empty buildings uh, led by communities and my PhD research was pretty much uh, based on and and fed by my 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 professional experience but but it's I think it's important to have an academic discussion as well to strengthen and and make more visible the work of of people and organization on the ground but i don't think uh, i don't think you need a phd degree to be to be a placemaker i think a lot of people are doing placemaking without noticing that the the only thing and this is i think this is very important is to care about your environment it's to care about improving your environment and i think a lot of people do this and and of course when when it it becomes a conflict between people that uh, somebody's idea of a, of a good environment is is this and another person's environment uh, idea of a good environment is this and there's a conflict this is where it becomes even more interesting because mm. because of course it's never never uh, it's never one person that will define uh, how public spaces work so then it becomes a collective project to come yeah. to a, a shared vision yeah, and it's it's so much about communication and storytelling between the actors, right? In order yeah. to get the placemaking things done. Yes, it's it's very much a storytelling. It's very much about telling some somebody's viewpoint as well. Like why, how does this contribute to my community, and and how can I tell this story and this process to somebody who doesn't belong at all to this community? How can I explain that this place is very important for me because it's it's symbolic, because it's uh, it's the only place where I can meet uh, my my fellow, I don't know, dog owners, or, or this is where I can do my little walk where nobody's disturbing. This is where I'm as a teenager, I, I'm able to meet my friends and there's nobody uh, watching us, so there's a lot of you know a lot of lot of logics that we we don't necessarily understand why 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 uh, elderly people like to be in this part of the 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 park or this part. Why do they go to shopping when everybody else is going shopping normally, not in COVID, mm. uh, because they want to be in between people. So how not to isolate people? And also understanding these different logics with empathy, I think it's very important. And storytelling and and giving voice to different. Uh, People and groups is very very crucial in this. Mm. And I know you're working as an editor in a European magazine, and I would love to take the opportunity to ask you, like, ask about your point of view. Do you think placemakers are good in storytelling, documenting the project? What do you think in general? Yeah. So, so the magazine is is Cooperative City. Uh, it's a, it's an online magazine that we run with my organization, Utropian. And uh, what we realized at some point is that uh, that placemakers are often not very good in telling the story uh, because because they are too busy in with doing things and they don't have so much time to tell them. So very often, as we worked and we still work in, in a lot of countries in Europe and sometimes beyond, we realized that they're a fascinating project. There's really amazing involvement. Uh, and and you don't find a single word about it on the internet, and especially not in English. So we, in the last let's say five years, we were 
really engaged and really involved in, in, in trying to tell the stories of these people. Very often just people and organizations we, we met uh, when, when traveling, when going to, when working in different cities. So we always try to reach out and, and visit new initiatives and, and keep an eye on what's happening in a city where we're familiar and, and explore that there's something new. And then, and then interview people and, and turn this into an article, turn this into a, an audio documentary, a video documentary, uh, because we, we think it's very crucial because, because there's so much happening. For example, when a few years ago, still in the last economic crisis, all the, all the discussion about the lazy South and, and, uh, and the strict North and, and, you know, we need a lot of stories. We need to make all these stories, all, all these initiatives very tangible. Otherwise, we don't understand how much people are putting their energies into these things, how much passion is there, how much care there is, how, how, how much people are sophisticated in organizing their own, you know, services, their own, own social nets. And otherwise, we think it's, it's, uh, there's nothing happening there. And no, in reality, everywhere there's a lot of things happening. It's just they don't have the time to tell the stories. Yeah. But t tell us, uh, we as a placemaker community, Give us some advices. How can we tell a story about the project we we are doing? Like, what should we think about? Yeah, I think it's it's important to 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 talk about in uh, about initiatives in different layers. It's very important to talk about the personal because I think it's very touching for me personally. It's it's very touching to see people who are engaged uh, in making their environment better. So because especially when young people are suddenly. There's this involvement. There's a, I, I, I'm, I, you know, I get very emotional about about seeing people engaging. It's it's, it's beautiful. Um, it's important to talk about the collective, how people get together and organize themselves. It's, it's important to talk about the organization and how you know people uh, innovate within their organizations. And it's important to talk about the administrative, no, like how 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 you reach out to uh, to public administrations, how you stabilize yourself, how you make a deal so i think it's it's very important to to make things tangible make them inspiring and not discouraging the, the goal is not to say that we did something that nobody else can do no it's it's important to show that we did something that maybe you can also do but it's not as simple as it looks like these are the elements we we need real people who are engaged but also we we want to talk about how systemically we can change all the environment around this mm. and i think it's very important to to zoom in and zoom out between the personal and uh, maybe even the global, you know, how this engagement changes actually the life of people. So it seems, for me, it seems like not a big deal. It's just about explaining and telling what happened behind the scenes to do the project in actual. Well, yes, but also it, it's about it's about the language you use, no? I mean, it's, uh, I'm working a lot with, uh, with uh, the, Urbect uh, program, European Union's program, the Urbect, which brings together cities that exchange experiences, and there we work a lot on, on together with municipalities to to formulate their experiences in, in different ways through videos, but also through text that are not official reports, but they are actually articles that you want to read that catches your attention. So you get into the the whole thing. It's tangible. You feel you feel you are there. You understand that it's. It's an event. These are the people. So, it's to to make things tangible. Otherwise, otherwise people remain distant. And I, I think people have to be involved emotionally in these stories as well. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And I I would love that uh, place making Europe as a network focus on this topic, especially like in the 2021. 
I'll take this in, in the board, this proposal, and I think it's a very good point. And I guess you are doing this through your podcast. Uh, and I think there's a lot to learn from you and from other people as well in this. So it's a very good point. Thank you. And you're also the managing director of Utropian. Tell me, what, what do you do there? Yeah, Utropian is, a, is an organization that we also founded about six years ago. Uh, that is a, a company in Vienna and uh, an NGO, an association in Rome. And we have a a foot in, in Budapest. And we, we started this as, a, as a, an organization to work more specifically in, in Rome with, uh, with local associations. So there's one dimension is to help local situations, local initiatives that don't have uh, an international connection to, to bring them, let's say, in, in, in connection with other initiatives across Europe that are doing similar things, also international funding, uh, and then it grew up into something that on the one hand we, we do this so for example we worked for years on connecting uh, initiatives across Europe that are working on alternative finance and non-speculative real estate development and we brought together very different initiatives from uh, well starting from from Scandinavia to Portugal Spain Greece uh, UK so a lot of people came together to learn from each other and 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 in these networks I think a lot of lot of great encounters happen that I see now in, in Southeast Europe. There are international networks that were born in, in these occasions that uh, are working on, on non-speculative housing development, for example. But also, so we work on these networks in Rome. In the last years, we worked a lot on, on uh, public infrastructure that is uh, losing its uh, uh, reason of existence or, or losing its function partly like uh, uh, food markets or cinemas that are changing their, their role, no? so how to adapt these, uh, these public infrastructure, which are really crucial and important, but how to adapt them to respond better to today's uh, needs and challenges. And on the other hand, we, we worked increasingly internationally uh, on, on, on research, for example, uh, about heritage and community-led heritage, heritage reuse in a project called Open Heritage. Mm -hmm. We worked a lot on placemaking with the city of Vienna and Oslo. Uh, we worked on on other topics, uh, but also we work uh, as consultants with some European Union programs, as I mentioned, Urbact and Urban Innovative Actions, and and we work a lot on uh, linking, bringing together these different levels, not the very local, with the, with the European level, mm. uh, opening up on the one hand, opening up possibilities for the very local initiatives, also to to spread the word, spread their initiatives, and also helping European institutions to, to notice things on the ground, to notice uh, that there are these things which are actually can be prototypes or can be examples that, that, you know, to improve our cities, but also, you know, building up maybe new mechanisms to facilitate them. We, a big topic for us was since years that a lot of placemaking initiatives, city-making initiatives uh, that are non-speculative have very little access to, to proper loans and funding, even if they have a very strong economic model. So we've, we've been for years uh, negotiating with different European institutions and trying to open up, uh, let's say, funding streams towards these initiatives, which in some countries in Holland, Germany, there are social banks, there are ethical banks, and in other parts there are there are none. So we need to kind of 
extend this possibility of, of working with loans and working with, with uh, non-speculative finance uh, in order to develop community facilities. Mm -hmm. no? So issues like this. So it's, for us, it's very important to be at the same time very local, like hyper-local and uh, well, global as much as Europe is uh, as a global scale. Yeah, I imagine it's very tough work to be the link between the people and local with the European uh, to be honest, there's a lot of openness, and I think it's it's uh, it's becoming even sexy and trendy in, in European institutions to work more with with initiatives because also Europe is, as we all see, experiencing a big crisis of identity, and it's uh, one of the main critics that uh, populists and, and sovereignists are addressing to Europe is that it's it's disconnected from 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 local realities, which is. I don't think they're more disconnected than uh, national governments, by the way. But uh, but still, it's it's easy to blame Europe for a lot of things, and and it's very important indeed to to reestablish these links and 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 create policies that are, you know, directly benefiting uh, community-led initiatives on the ground. And I guess this this can change the whole idea of Europe as well. Within these networks that you're working with, do we have uh, municipalities? Where are the cities? Yes, yeah, cities are crucial. Cities are always more innovative than, than national governments, of course. Uh, they understand much more uh, their local constituents. They, they understand much more local problems. They are the, the, you know, the authorities that are dealing with the everyday the problems. So, you know, they are leading the whole uh, fight against uh, climate change. They're, they were at the forefront of... Uh, of opening doors for refugees where nation states were only trying to build obstacles. So I think cities in a way are um, also in, in some ways more powerful, but at least economically, they, they are engines of innovations as well, but they are in, in, in because of the current nation states, uh, organization of nation states, and even the European you know, decision-making system, nation states are disproportionately, disproportionately strong uh, uh, in front of the cities. So that's why I think it's very important the cities are joining forces and, and trying to gain more power in, in, in the European Union as well. But the cities we work with, they're, uh, they're all uh, very, very interested in working much closer with citizens. So it is a very big uh, trend in Europe uh, and I guess in, in other parts of, uh, of the country, uh, of the world as well, that cities are really wanting to work more with local citizens, build up participatory processes, because they learn a lot from this. So there's a lot of knowledge around that cities don't have. And if you manage to build up a process that is uh, really involving and really participatory, you get a lot of more in information on board that you can, that helps you to make better decisions. In the same time, it's also difficult because it means that, you know, giving up the traditional a centralized power so you have to let it go a little bit and also you have to make sure that the process you built up it, it, it is connected to real uh, consequences and real decision making uh, uh, mechanisms so it's not very obvious because if you run a lot of participatory processes and there's no consequence and then then, then you lose people's trust but i, I what i see is that uh, and we really work uh, with, with, with cities, again, from the UK, Portugal, the Baltic states, Greece, uh, Central Europe, Southern Northern Europe. And I think cities are at the forefront of innovation. And cities are, um, for me, the, you know, the 
custodians of, of, of future and, uh, and a lot of solutions because there's a lot of innovation and also organizationally we see municipalities to to innovate a lot especially into this participatory yeah. direction yeah and i also agree with you about that city has a very important role in 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 developing our, our future as well yes because they have uh, also a big role in and and uh, you know uh, emission and, uh, and a lot of other uh, issues and also the imaginary i mean even even with covid i think i think a cities uh, maybe in some cases they lost their appeal but in the end the services uh, even the, the the healthcare services and all the services the solidarity services they're all in cities so yeah. in a way cities are crucial mm. i know many people working in municipalities listening to the podcast and what i want to ask you now does it cost so much for municipalities to do a participatory planning or an engagement with the community does it cost so much it doesn't necessarily cost much it might be more time comes consuming uh, and i think you 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 need to establish uh, different degrees and different positions between between you as a as a municipality and different kind of civil society organizations or you know unorganized citizens uh, and I, I think for example now I within an urban project that is called active NGOs I work with the city of Brighton which has a uh, a neighborhood officer that works with specific neighborhoods and, and, and acts as a liaison uh, between neighborhood organizations and non-organizations and the municipality or with the city of Espo where where uh, in Finland where uh, we have civil society officer that we work with or we work uh, in in many cases now in budapest uh, uh, there's uh, there are participatory departments in in many districts and the city has a new participatory uh, department since the last elections uh, bologna has the famous uh, office of citizen imagination so i think it's very important to build these frameworks which allow you to create a space where you're, you're no longer paternalistic but it's a space where people space like physical or you know, uh, metaphorical space where citizens and groups can inform them and they can take part in an informed discussion and they can feed into the, the, the processes in a way that is not a waste of time and energy for everyone and there are real results. So I think it's not, it costs less than it, it brings back, but it needs political decision, uh, engagement, and it needs, uh, uh, it needs some involvement uh, to get the right people on board and the right uh, structures on board that create this in-between space, which is very, very important. Mm. Does it take a, a lot of time to build this relationship between the citizens and the municipality? I think it's it's it depends on the context. I mean, in, in contexts where where uh, there's a hundred years of of tradition of self-organization and uh, cooperative movement and all these things, it's you can you can. Uh, I mean, you can you have something to build on. In other cases, uh, it sometimes feels that cities, innovative uh, municipalities, are running forward too much, and 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 society is too slow, and also people are used to uh, distrust the public administration, and this is a, a tradition of decades, and you, you cannot undo this in a in a in a in a, in a single moment, but. Uh, but it's uh, it's it's a process that you have to build up, and and definitely uh, you can build on existing organizations, on neighborhoods. You you don't you cannot do everything on the on the level of the the whole city immediately, but you can build up with these building blocks. And I think it's always very rewarding in the end. Yeah, 
And it's also like about co-creation that together with different actors, you can do things. It, it is co-creation with different actors and also it's, it's experimentation with, with formats. And, and I think it's, for example, in Rome or, 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 um, or, 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 or Paris where I lived, there, there were some neighborhoods, entities like uh, Comité de Quartier or, or uh, Comitato di, di Quartiere. In, in New York, there were the, the the community boards, and sometimes these formats get get empty because because of decades of, of of you know because people don't believe maybe the people get old and it, it's not attractive to them. So it's it's also it's important to to sometimes rethink these structures, maybe strengthen them, maybe maybe add them new elements. But it's uh, I think it's 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 really fascinating to to look around in the world for all these participatory structures because we have a lot to learn from them. Yeah, I can imagine. So it's it's really cool for you to work with something you're passionate about, right? It is. You're, in, yeah. you're enjoying it. I, I do enjoy this. Yeah. Sometimes when you know it's a quarantine and I I don't even get out uh, to the street and it's work and work and work. Even if it's passionate, it's sometimes too much. But other than this, I'm, I'm uh, it's very very fascinating. Yeah. And also because the city in the last ten years, I think, has become a a, a topic which is much more exciting much more people participate to this discussion than than 10 15 20 years ago yeah and so it's you're working on different scale and involved in different scales of city development but you're also an expert at the hungarian contemporary architecture center yeah so so cake it's this is the the hungarian acronym that is we like it because it also means blue, but it also in English it sounds like a cake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it is kind of my alma mater where I where I it was the first place where in, in 2005 I found uh, uh, or six ish I found a, a place which didn't didn't need all my energy, but I could bring a project in, and there was this very supportive environment. Where, where I can bring a project in and it, it, they help, people help developing it, but it's not that I have to take care of everything. So this was my first experience of a, having a community that is enabling and, and where we can share responsibility actually. And, uh, and Cake now in the last 15 years, we are actually celebrating this winter, uh, this autumn and winter and spring as well, the 15th anniversary, which is quite oh, cool. Congratulations. For, uh, thank you. Which is quite cool for, uh, for an NGO that was uh, born in the same time with a lot of other NGOs. There was a very, you know, uh, thriving moment in Budapest, as I mentioned, 2005, six. But m most of the other organizations disappeared and the important thing about Cake is that it managed managed to renew itself with different generations. So now we already have four or five different generations of people involved. We don't not meaning generation in twenty years, but generation in a few years, younger people in, who also feel that this is theirs. So the organization is theirs. And by now, I think Cake has become really well known, not only in in, in Budapest but also in, in the region, because we organize a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of lot of things we do a lot of research we organize festivals we have a, a festival of uh, buildings that celebrate their hundreds anniversary which is kind of a community building program we have a lot of involvement in different areas like uh, like big uh, industrial areas in chapel that need to be rethought and we are kind of catalysts to rethink those areas we do a lot of things about uh, research along the danube and bring together different cities along the danube we've done a lot of uh, public involvement and engagement for cycling lanes and public spaces. We have a film festival that uh, since 13 years, 
uh, uh, focusing on, on, on uh, architecture and urbanism. Uh, so a lot of things actually, and, and it's an organization which is really dynamic and it also is a placemaker par excellence because we have been using different buildings that we brought back into life and now we have a really beautiful gallery in a, in a, in a neighborhood that was changing with us as well. So we are at the core of, uh, of urban transformation. I, I, I really love it. I would love to visit that gallery as well. Come. Yeah, soon. Hopefully soon. You're doing so many things. How much does it add to you as a placemaker? What do you bring to the placemaker? So I, I learned a lot from, I mean, um, um, Cake, uh, you know, 15 years of, of collaboration. I learned a lot. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm really fascinated to discover new, new, new topics and new projects. Uh, with my organization, Utropian, of course, I'm, I'm more involved because that's my, my, my child uh even more uh where i you know we've been shaping the organization together for 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 years and 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 i learned a lot about i mean i have a specific role in in all this and cake i'm more like an international connector that can bring in some ideas and focuses on some topics in, in utropian i'm uh, i'm more uh the guy who's uh, a bit uh obsessed with uh, details and and, and uh, you know Things like this, and and it has has it's passionate for some things and not so involved in others. Um, I'm a bit also partly one of the storytellers who really uh, works on on, on on articles and and uh, the magazine. So different roles and different uh, obligations as well and responsibilities. But it's all it all comes together into a set of knowledge, and also not only my knowledge but knowledge of all the people around in the placemaking. Europe network, but also in the other organizations that uh, partly I, I, I have an idea of certain processes, how to organize them, how to design them, where to reach out for additional knowledge. But I also know how to get involved people that are that are really good and probably much better than, than I am in, 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 in certain fields, which is perfect because we, we, we can collaborate on these things. And also, I mean, something that I'm really curious in the last year since I, I moved back to Budapest is how to help the city, which is in a, in different ways uh, in, a, in a difficult moment because of national uh, suppression, uh, national budget cuts, uh, COVID, all the things that come come in the same moment, but also it's in a fascinating moment where, uh, with a new municipality, new mayor, new administration, a lot of new districts, mayors, and, and administrations, there's a lot of energy and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of openness to innovate there. So it's also for me, it's a, it's a, it's it's a question that I'm posing myself every day: that what else can I do to help the city? How can I mobilize my networks, my knowledge, to help the city better? Yeah, how close are you to the as a as a placemaking European board member? How close are you to the members within the network? Are you available? Well, I am available. Yes, uh, I mean we we have the different working groups, as as I mentioned, focusing on different topics like uh, like housing, like uh, um, climate change, child friendly uh, cities, and public public spaces, inclusive public spaces. We have a lot of working groups, and and those. Working groups have a regular meeting, so they talk uh, uh, regularly, and there's a, a very straightforward contact to to reach out to us. We also have more formal, regular meetings. We had uh, last week; you were there as well. Uh, the leaders uh, workshop, which is maybe a bit more formal occasion to tell members and partners and the network about what's happening, 
uh, with with the whole network. What are the next steps? But in in general, you know, of course, they can reach out to us. Uh, anyone can reach out to us. Uh, we're happy to discuss any issues, but also uh, with many, many people, we, in the end, sooner or later, we get involved in different kinds of collaborations. So we can think of a more organic and a more formal way, but both of them are valid and, and accessible. Yeah, that's lovely. Uh, what are the challenges that we are facing at Placemaking Europe Network? I think it's it's really much uh, the the question of uh, of how to stabilize a network further that it it can really uh, be more efficient or as efficient as possible in channeling all this volunteer energy volunteer knowledge towards the cities that need it towards the organizations that need it and uh, uh, and build up this also in a form of financial sustainability so all these things come together but I guess the the most important is to to be able to also come over this uh, pause that the COVID meant and and uh, be back next year with the Barcelona event and be back with a, with a lot of, let's say, stimulating events, milestones that help this community get together even stronger. Yeah, so we are looking forward to uh, 2021. Big things are happening, right? I think so. Well, Hopefully. That's uh, the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, I guess. Yeah, for yeah. Many of us. I hope so. So uh, now we are in the end of this conversation. And I'm so thankful and happy to talk with you. I'm, I'm very inspired by, by our talk. So thank you so much. But thank you. It's a great occasion to rethink also some of my issues. So now I'm, I'm very interested and curious to know what is your favorite public space and why you have been in so many different cities. Yeah, maybe I have, I have two... Uh, to mention first that uh, that from the cities where I spent my last years, uh, one in Budapest and one in Rome. Uh, in Budapest, it's a, it's a, it's it's some, some kind of a, a leftover space along the railways, which is a little bit endangered now because of some government project. But it's a kind of an urban forest stretching through the city, which is not really known by a lot of people. But it's it's actually a decades worth of spontaneous vegetation with trees and, and some sport fields, but but mostly just a, kind of a, a linear forest uh, that is uh, actually re- was a big relief for for us during the the first uh, you know spring quarantine because this became the the place to go everywhere every day, and it's also we re- realized that it's a place for you know for teenagers to meet where. In, in peace and they can do things for people to play uh, table tennis for elderly people to walk around so it, it actually could bring a lot of very different activities with no conflict um, together and this is a fascinating thing because it's it's not because it's really well designed it's because it's a little bit left to its own devices and, and people turned this whole space into their image and into 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 the way they wanted to use it so i think it's a very really amazing space for me and the other one i'm thinking of is is in rome that is a a little bit of a similar story but but with much more community involvement which is uh in in the neighborhood where i used to live in pigneto in east eastern rome which is a little bit known for for being underserved by public services but also having a kind of a a uh, bit of a gentrification process, but also very diverse community and, and a lot of traditionally strong local neighborhood organizations. And what happened is that there's a, there's an area of the neighborhood which is uh, 
there was a big development of a kind of a commercial uh, center this guide is a university campus so it's, it's, it's a weird story and somehow the developer hit an under, underground water reservoir that they didn't know that it was there oh. and, and it came up and it became a lake <laughs> so the guy, the developer tried to pump it out and, and make it disappear but it was too much water so it, it remained there <laughs> so people noticed that there was water there and then they started the mobilization to protect the, the lake which is in reality it's a nat natural lake because it's, it's yeah. natural water uh, which is the only one in, in Rome like a natural lake in, in an area which desperately needs uh, public spaces so the neighborhoods uh, they managed to push the city to 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 uh, block the the construction compensate somehow the the developer but but especially saying that uh, uh, we blocked this for 10 years and the, the the city obliged itself that in 10 years it has to build a park there okay so i got into this process one month <laughs> one month before the the 10 year deadline this was the when i found the poster uh, at the local library and i went to an event immediately uh, a reunion of this this where people were uh you know exchanging about okay we have one month left the city didn't do anything in 10 years so now we have to do something so we will start building the park so People started building the park and put more pressure on the city to, you know, designate some money to do this. And it's by now it became a really fascinating place, which is uh, which is a, a lake, uh, two different parks around it, maintained by the community, uh, also overseen by the community that it doesn't become overused a lot with a lot of celebrations, but careful celebrations to yeah. to not ruin. And I'm I'm in, still in the the, the mailing lists that um, you know there's a WWF which uh, every month they notice a new animal species there. So it, it has actually become a really interesting uh, biological ecosystem as well. So yeah. for me, it's the story of a community coming together to protect the space and and turning it into a, a really amazing asset for community but also for animals yeah and i also like uh, see this common element between the two spaces that you mentioned that it's unprogrammed by the city but programmed by the people yeah it doesn't mean that cities shouldn't program they should definitely yeah. program but <laughs> but, but uh, sometimes there's more value in, in in the leftover than than we think yeah yeah so apart from all this like amazing work you do what are your hobbies do you have time to to do something else <laughs> Yeah, sometimes I do actually. Uh, so I like uh, I like uh, I like walking a lot. I like traveling. I like exploring. Uh, but even even just walking, I like movies a lot. Uh, I mentioned the the film festival that uh, I'm still co-organizing after 13 years, and I, I love movies more and more. So actually, I'm, I'm really becoming, especially in quarantine times, so <laughs> an addict of movies. And I, I'm also rediscovering music, so I, I got into uh, trumpets very recently. I don't know what's going <laughs> to come out of this. I'm at the very beginning, but I'm I'm trying to spend more time uh, uh, a bit away from work as well. Yeah, amazing. Well, again, thank you so much for the conversation, and I would love that we finish this amazing talk with you giving three takeaway messages to the listeners. Yeah, so I, I would think first of, of, of empathy. So try to be empathetic and understand others' viewpoints in shaping the city, but also in just living the city because because it's 
sometimes there are very surprising answers why people behave the way they are and, and we don't know that and it's very important to to understand each other to live live better together it's also often we think uh we when we care about something and and, and others don't uh they think we they look at us like crazy so don't be afraid uh to look crazy when you care about something and you 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 stand up for something like your environment uh because people will follow afterwards and also you know be open to to learn from others that are doing similar so build networks and 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 uh and make an effort to stay, take a step towards others that are working on similar similar things mm-hmm. thank you and do you have a question that makes us reflect for the listeners and even me Well, I, I would ask a little bit also in the context of placemaking that how can we use placemaking to solve uh, some of the biggest issue today that is that is to overcome social barriers of race, age, economic situation, uh, provenance, provenance, because I think these are that are tearing apart our societies and, and I think we have to think about how can we use placemaking uh, towards these issues. Mm, good question, actually. That's also a big question as well. So yeah, I don't expect an answer immediately. <laughs> yeah, we need we need to think. So, do you have three hashtags for the episode? Are you good in hashtagging? I'm not so good, and I'm not doing it so much. But I, I would I would still say empathy is one of them. Care would be another one because I think we have there's more and more discussion about care as a universal uh, attitude to things, which is very important and common. Uh, would be the third one, which is something that is beyond public and private. Something that people uh, take care of and yeah, and care for. Yeah, thank you. So, what is the next step going to be for you as a like a private person, but also working in different yeah. places? Yeah. So, in the work dimension, it's it's uh, we're coming out with a book in the spring uh, about civic ecosystem building that is coming out of our active NGOs project. I'm also trying to strengthen uh, my local team in Budapest because, as I mentioned, we spent spent years in Rome with local team in Rome. We have a local team in Vienna, but I would like to have a, a stronger local team in Budapest. And also, I'm I'm kind of planning to establish a family, which is the private side. But, awesome. Uh, we'll see uh, how we get there. Yeah. Wish you all the good luck with all your projects, and hopefully, talk to you again in the future. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for listening to Urbanistica podcast. I hope you really enjoyed this episode. You learned something new and also got inspired by the guest. Don't forget to share the episode on your social media and recommend it to people you think they are really interested in this topic. Thank you so much again for giving your valuable time to Urbanistica podcast. I am Mustafa Sharif. Keep up the good work. Keep loving cities.